Welcome to KathleenWitten.org. We believe that Kathleen's message will inspire you, encourage you, and give you a fresh perspective on life. Now, here's Kathleen. In doing a series on entering the promised land and talking about the fact that God promises us a rest and a peace and a joy on this earth, regardless of circumstances. And that we have a choice whether or not we will enter this promised land or not. And this promised land is described throughout the Bible, but it's mostly described in the book of Hebrews. And there the author of Hebrews says for us to look at the Israelites and look at what they did and what they didn't do so that we can learn from them in order to enter into this promised land of rest. Several months ago, I woke up with the Holy Spirit saying to me very clearly, do what Moses did and don't do what Moses did. And that was kind of a strange thing to hear from the Holy Spirit, so I wrote that down. Do what Moses did and don't do what Moses did. And see, realizing who Moses was, Moses was a leader the leader of the Israelites, the leader of God's people. And you today might be a leader, a leader in in the business realm or a leader in your family or a leader in ministry. All of us have some calling and some capacity to leading. And so we have to look at the life of Moses to know what he did. It's so important for us to know and for us to learn from him. Because although Moses was the most humble man on the face of the earth, he was God's man. And although he led the people out of Israel and up to the border of the promised land that God had given him, given them, Moses was not allowed to go in himself. God would not allow the leader to go in. Moses forfeited his rights. And so this morning, I want to take every bit of time just to share with you what God's shown me. What did Moses do right? And what did Moses do to forfeit his rights? Because God doesn't want us as leaders to forfeit our right to go into the promised land. We need to learn from those that have gone before us. Moses did so many things right. First of all, as as I just mentioned, the Bible says that God chose him because he was the most humble man on the face of the earth. That is something that God honors when we humble ourselves before him. Moses also prayed to God. He loved God. He sought God. He constantly cried out to God. I was amazed to read how many times in the Word of God It says these words, Then Moses cried out to the Lord. Then Moses cried out to the Lord. Then Moses cried out to the Lord. That's a heart of humility. I can't tell you how many times a day in my inadequacy, my imperfection, I cry out to the Lord. And it's verification to me that out of my weakness, God is strong. And that's a good thing. Moses cried out to the Lord. 
Moses saw God face to face, and he spoke for God. He spoke the words that God gave him to speak, and we as leaders are to spend time in the Word of God and seek God, whether you're a leader in business, whether you're a leader in ministry, whether you're a leader in your family, whether you're a leader in school. All of us have a position of leadership, and we're to seek God's face and then speak and act in the way that he would have us do. None of us do that perfectly. None of us do. But we're to have that heart that desires to. And then he can change us in the process. I was reminded in looking at what Moses did that Moses constantly sought forgiveness for the people that he was over. Do you do that? Did you know that as a leader, you are constantly to seek forgiveness for the people that you lead? I pray that the board of the ministry of Kathleen Witten Ministries would constantly seek God's forgiveness for me. They're over me, and I need it. We all need it. God wants us as leaders to be constantly interceding for one another, seeking his forgiveness for one another. And one of the greatest honors of leadership is to not judge the people that you're over, but to seek God's forgiveness for them, seek God's mercy for them. And in the process, the beautiful picture is what we sow, we reap anyway. We all need to reap mercy And Moses sowed much, much mercy, constantly went before God and said, God, forgive these people. When Moses' um, sister Miriam did some pretty awful things and God had judgment come upon her, which was in the form of leprosy, Moses went before God and sought her forgiveness. God has given leaders that position and that power, and I don't think that we understand the immensity of it. Moses lived out of his comfort zone for God. I'm relating to that. (laughs) Moses lived out of his comfort zone. Moses left Egypt, and he went into the wilderness, into hiding for a reason. I don't think Moses wanted to be a leader. He didn't want to be out in front of people. He certainly didn't want to be speaking in front of people. He had to leave his comfort zone, but he loved God and wanted to please God, so he literally lived out of his comfort zone his entire life. And he was willing to do that. Are you? Another thing that Moses did right is he took the abuse and the blame of people his own people. And if you're a leader, you will take the abuse and the blame of your own people. Count on it. And yet he still fought God for them. And then the one thing that God keeps speaking to my heart personally for me, that Moses did right, is in humility he took advice from people even if it came in a very inappropriate and even abrasive package, he took that advice. Moses' father-in-law came to him 
in Exodus 18:17, and he said, what you're doing is not good. Now, how many of you would like for your in-laws to come to you and say, hey, what you're doing is not good? For most of us, we'd kind of put up a wall like, wait a minute, that's not positive feedback. That's not what I wanted to hear. How many of us want anyone to come up to us and say, hey, what you're doing is not good. I don't like this about you. I've had some of that happen recently, and I realized I had a choice. I had a choice to humble myself and say, God, what are you saying to me in this? How can I change? Please change me. Or I could say, the way that they did that was inappropriate. I don't accept it. I'm putting up a wall. You see, we need to have the heart of Moses that's so humble that we accept advice from God no matter what package it's coming in, even if it's not coming the right way, so that we can change. I'm so excited to change. I want to change. I can't tell you how many different ways I need to change. I woke up yesterday and wrote a poem that I wasn't sure if I was going to read or not, but I think I will. It's called, He Sees Us as Lovely. And, um, you know, I don't mean that lovely like some feminine lovely, but God sees us as someone he can love because he created you and he doesn't create trash. Lord, in exhaustion I reach for you. Your arms hold me and carry me through. Your word whispers and calms my soul. But days and nights still take their toll. My deepest cry, my heart's appeal. Please take your word and make it real. Drive all from me that is not you. I offer my life, please make it new. For truth never lies, yet being right never wins. Human effort always tries, but there remains sins. Lord, I lay down and count it all loss if I cannot love the unlovely and carry my cross. For the unloveliest of all in God's mirror I see as I learn to love the unlovely. Lord, teach me to learn me, to love me, and to learn me. Moses was humble. His father-in-law came to him and said, What you're doing is not good. He tells him, Select capable men from all the people, men who fear God, trustworthy men, who hate dishonest gain, and appoint them as officials over thousands and hundreds and fifties and tens. And in Exodus Exodus 18.23, Moses' father-in-law continues, he says, If you do this, as God so commands, you will be able to stand the strain and all these people will go home satisfied. And then Exodus 18.24 speaks volumes about Moses. It says Moses listened to his father-in-law and did everything he said. Moses was a humble man. He listened to people, even if they came to him in somewhat of an abrasive way. He went and sought God's forgiveness for people. He was willing to live out of his comfort zone. 
He constantly cried out to God for advice and help. And he is still honored. We will encounter a huge, huge mansion in heaven and say, who does that belong to? And I'm sure we'll be told, that's Moses' mansion. And yet, he did not enter the promised land of God. His right was forfeited. God said, you will not enter in. And we need to know why. For this, I need to give you a little bit of background. In the wilderness, God's people, as as we've been talking about over the last several weeks, um, would see God's hand and and God would do this huge miracle and and answer their prayers and and part the waters and deliver them out of Egypt and cause all these plagues to come upon the Egyptians until they let them go. And they not only let the Israelites go, they said, here, take our goods, get out of here. We're afraid of your God. Leave. And over and over and over again, they watched God move and deliver them and create miracles in their lives. And do miraculous things and yet over and over again when they found themselves in difficult situations and and hard circumstances where they didn't have the answers. They turned from God. They distrusted God. They blamed God. They grumbled and complained. And they blamed the leaders of God. Are we any different? And so... At one point in the wilderness, they're thirsty, and there's no water. And so they do what they always do, instead of going to God and saying, God, you've been so faithful, you've been so merciful, we love you so much, we know you're going to provide water. Instead of doing that, they grumble and they complain, and they go to Moses and they threaten him. In Exodus 17:1, the whole Israelite community set out from the desert of sin, traveling from place to place as the Lord has commanded, and they camped at Rephidim, but there was no water for the people to drink. So they quarreled with Moses and said, Give us water to drink. Moses replied, Why do you quarrel with me? Why do you put the Lord to the test? But the people were thirsty for water there. And they grumbled against Moses, and they said, Why did you bring us out of Egypt? to make us and our children and our livestock die of thirst? And then Moses cried out to the Lord, What am I to do with these people? They are ready to stone me. And the Lord answered Moses, Walk on ahead of the people and take with you some of the elders of Israel and take in your hand the staff which you struck the Nile and go, and I will stand there before you by the rock of Horeb. Strike the rock and the water will come out of it for the people to drink. So Moses did this in the sight of the elders of Israel. And the place was called Massa, which means temptation in Hebrew. And Meribah, which means strife or contention in Hebrew. Because the Israelites quarreled and because they tested the Lord saying, Is the Lord among us or not? Isn't that what we do? And that's what we do to our leaders. We get in a tight spot. And we blame. It's this, it's that. Sometimes we blame our leaders for our own actions or our own hearts. Well, I did this because they're this way. Or I reacted this way because they did this. 
At what point do I say, Lord, it doesn't matter what anyone else does. My heart belongs to you. The humble man or woman goes before God with their own heart, with his or or her own heart, and doesn't blame someone else. So Moses cries out to God when the people don't have water and they're grumbling against him. And God tells him what to do. And Moses follows through. And water, after he follows through with God's plan and hits it with his staff, the rock, water gushes from the rock. Well, the next incident is almost like a deja vu for for Moses. Um, Forty years later, same place, same situation, the people have no water. Forty years later, all the people, almost all, who have been told that they're not going to go into the promised land have died. And it's the new generation poised in the borders of Canaan to go into the promised land. Forty years later, Moses is so close to going into the promised land. And the people come to him with the same complaint. Can you imagine hearing that grumbling and that complaining and that just irritation and those threats and that pressure and that stress and falling on your face before God for 40 years being out of your comfort zone? And they come to him with the same complaint, a lack of water. In Numbers 23, they quarreled with Moses and said, If we'd only died when our brothers fell dead before the Lord. Why did you bring the Lord's community to this desert that we and our livestock should die here? Why did you bring us out of Egypt to this terrible place? It has no grain or figs or grapevines or pomegranates, and there is no water to drink. And Moses and Aaron... That's his brother-in-law, the high priest. Went from the assembly to the entrance of the tent of meeting, and they fell face down. And the glory of the Lord appeared to them. And the Lord said to Moses, Take the staff, and you and your brother Aaron gather the assembly together and speak to the rock before their eyes. And it will pour out its water. And you will bring water out of the rock for the community so they will have it for their livestock to drink. And here's Moses' fatal mistake. So Moses took the staff from the Lord's presence just as he had commanded him. And he and Aaron gathered the assembly together in front of the rock. And Moses said to them, Listen, you rebels, must we bring you water out of this rock? And then Moses raised his arm and struck the rocks twice with his staff, and water gushed out, and the community and the livestock drank. But the Lord said to Moses and Aaron, Because you did not trust in me enough to honor me as holy in the sight of the Israelites, you will not bring this community into the land that I give them. Can you imagine as a leader 
leading people to the promised land of God, leading them out of Egypt, leading them out of sin, leading them out of the world. And they get to go into the promised land and you don't. And I'm not talking about heaven. We go to heaven by Jesus Christ, which is grace. It is not by works lest any man should boast, the Bible says. I'm talking about the promised land of peace and joy and rest on this earth that God says that we can have. I'm talking about what Jesus described in John 10.10, that he said that we should have life and life abundant, not dependent on our circumstances. You can lead other people to that place and forfeit your right, even as the leader, from going in. I don't know everything, but this is what God has shown me. What did Moses do that I'm not to do, that you're not to do? Moses forgot, number one, that God holds leaders to a higher accountability. In James 3.1, the Bible says, Not many of you should presume to be teachers, my brothers, because you know that we who teach will be judged more strictly. That's not fair. Is it? God's not fair. God's just. God's God. God's bigger than us. Whatever he's privileged you to do or to have, to whom much is given, much is expected. It's a privilege and an honor to be over anybody, even if you're a father over a three-year-old. You're a leader and a teacher, and God holds you to a higher accountability. If you have one person that you lead at work, God holds you to a higher accountability. If you speak for God or teach in God's name, whether you want to or not, the words that come out of your mouth, people see God in that. Moses forgot. Deuteronomy 34.10 says, Then no prophet has risen in Israel like Moses, whom the Lord knew face to face. For no one has ever shown the mighty power or performed the awesome deeds that Moses did in the sight of Israel. God performed mighty powers and awesome deeds through Moses and therefore expected him to come up higher. God expects his leaders to respond and not to react. This is what God expected of Moses. Moses spoke rash words. And Moses' rash words kept him out of the promised land. God expects his leaders to respond and not to react. Sometimes as a leader, I'll have someone come to me with one side of a story. God expects me to go to him and to pray and to respond, not to react. Because guess what? One side of a story is one side of a story. It always causes me a little bit of time to ponder when the other side is silent and the other and then one side is 
is talking and defending and defending. Why? God wants us to know as leaders to respond and not to react. And even in our frustration, even in our exasperation, even in our own humanness or our flesh, we want to react, but as leaders we're called to come up higher and we're to respond and not speak rash words. And so even though Moses was exasperated and frustrated and he wanted to react, you rebels, he wanted to react to the people's blaming of him over and over and over. God wanted a higher reaction, response, I should say, from Moses and expected it of him. And yet Moses spoke rash words. In Psalm 106, verse 32 and 33, it says, By the waters of Meribah they angered the Lord, and trouble came to Moses because of them. For they rebelled against the Spirit of the Lord, and rash words came from Moses' lips. As leaders, we have to be careful what rash words come from our lips. Because sometimes we can just speak something and think, well, that person deserves that, or we'll make a quick judgment or a rash judgment, and then we don't understand why we don't have peace, we don't understand why we don't have joy, we don't understand why we're not into the promised land that God has promised us. Rash words can keep us out. Part of those rash words is that Moses drew attention to himself and to Aaron instead of to God. Moses says to the people, must we bring you water from this rock? One of the things that God wants us to do is take situations and problems to him and not think of us, ourselves, even as leaders, as the source. It's up to me, God, to pay these people. It's up to me, God, to fix these problems. It's up to me to keep praying about all this. Why does it always come upon me? I'm tired of these people. Can you imagine Moses just taking all of this upon himself and forgetting? It's not you, Moses, that brings the water from the rock. It's God. God said, Moses... Go before the people and speak to the rock and let them see with their eyes that I am bringing water. Instead, Moses said, Must we, Aaron and I, bring water from this rock? And he strikes the rock. He's bringing attention upon himself. He has a false responsibility that God calls pride. Moses would have done better to have gotten on his knees and said, Lord, please, I'm starting to take responsibility for these people and they are not my people, they are your people. I'm feeling a heaviness, I'm feeling a frustration. As a matter of fact, I am enraged against these people. Don't you know that he was? And God would have said, those are my children, not yours. They're not your responsibility, they're mine. Rest, Moses, and do what I've asked you to do. But instead, Moses took responsibility and took the situation in his own hands, spoke rashly. The other thing that Moses did that God will not excuse if we continue to do it, and especially as leaders. God will not continue to excuse his leaders cursing his people. 
speaking out of our mouths judgment and curses on his people. Just like a father or a mother wants to correct their own child, God will correct his own children. And although the Israelites were difficult at best, just like all of us can be difficult at best, sometimes I look back at my own life and I think, Lord, how do you even put up with me? How does Lacey put up with me? How do I put up with me? Come on, be honest. God's so merciful and he loves his children. He loves a heart that's not perfect, but that a heart that desires to please him. And in all of my imperfections, I desire to please God. I think God does take the most inadequate person and anoint them to do the most impossible thing just so he can get the glory. And everyone that knows that person well goes, well, it's got to be God. Let him do that with you. Moses curses God's people. He says, listen, you rebels. God's not going to put up with that. See, because Moses wasn't just talking to some people that had gathered in front of him. He was talking to the tribes of Israel and their leaders. And he called them all rebels. He judged them. He cursed them. We need to be careful that we don't do that. We need to be careful that we're interceding and, and asking God's forgiveness for one another. We need to be careful that we're not like the children of Noah who saw him drunk and naked and went and uncovered him. The word says that love covers a multitude of sins. Honor is covering, not uncovering. And God expects higher of his leaders. Thirdly, God expects his leaders to obey him and not use the same methods that had worked before. Moses was instructed by God to take the staff, gather the assembly together, and speak to the rock before their eyes. Instead, God, instead of doing what God said to do, Moses took the staff, gathered the assembly together in front of the rock, spoke to the people instead of the rock, and then struck the rock twice with the staff. That's not what God asked Moses to do. And we as leaders need to follow what God shows us to do instead of what we're used to doing. See, God, out of his mercy, even though Moses did the wrong thing, still had water come out of the rock. He still provided for his people, but he said, Moses, you won't go in. I think there's more reasons to this than we will know this side of heaven, but there's one that comes to my mind, and that is that I remembered a scripture in 1 Corinthians 10.4 that says they drank from the spiritual rock that accompanied them. And that rock was Jesus Christ. Who was Moses striking when he struck the rock? Jesus. And what was God trying to show the people? He said, Moses, in front of the people, speak to the rock and I will provide water. He was trying to show 
for the first time to his people. It's not about striking the rock. It's not about works anymore. I'm doing a new thing. It's about speaking to the rock who's Jesus Christ who will provide living water for you. Speak, don't work. It's not about works. It's about living the word, speaking the word. It's about grace. And Moses wouldn't do it. And God had to wait until he could find a leader named Joshua who would do things according to God's will. And Joshua did. If you'll remember the way that they conquered Canaan, the way that the walls came down was not through battle. He said to Joshua, march around the walls, march around the walls, march around the walls, and then shout and blow trumpets and the walls will fall and you will take the promised land. He had to have a leader that was willing to do something that he had never seen before. And Moses wasn't willing. As I was preparing this lesson, I um, went down for lunch, lunch at my house and I noticed a stack of papers from my daughter's fifth grade class and on top there was one that she had written about George Washington and it said, George Washington who we know was a prayerful man. Why did God choose him? I think for so many reasons, but one of the reasons that he was able to conquer the British and win the promised land at that time, which was America, was because he did things that I think God told him to do. Instead of fighting the old way where the British would stand and and wear their red coats, which just might as well be targets for some gun, and stand in lines and fight and march in lines, he hid his men. He had them wear brown and green and, and blend into the forest and blend into the woods, and no one had ever done that before. God has to have leaders that will do things that God asks them to do, whether it makes sense, and whether they've ever seen it done that way before. It's in the relationship and the listening to God. God always judges those closest to him the hardest. You want to be close to God? He always judges the ones closest to him the hardest. Look back in the Bible at all the people. And that's why Paul admonishes us in 1 Corinthians 9, 26. He says, Therefore I do not run like a man running aimlessly. I do not fight like a man beating the air. No, I beat my body and I make it a slave so that after I preach to others, I myself will not be disqualified for the prize. For I do not want you to be ignorant of the fact, brothers, that our forefathers were all under the cloud and that they all passed through the sea. They were all baptized into Moses in the cloud and the sea, and they all ate the same spiritual food, and they drank the same spiritual drink, for they drank from the spiritual rock that accompanied them, and that rock was Christ. Nevertheless, God was not pleased with most of them, and their bodies were scattered across the desert. And these things occurred as examples to keep us from setting our hearts on evil things as they did. God wants his leaders to know we are held to a higher accountability. 
We are not to curse his people. We are to lead and, and, and do things in ways that we may not be comfortable with and we've never seen before. See, one of the things that I remember about Moses is why did he not want to speak to Pharaoh in the first place? Why did he not want to lead in the first place? He told God. He stuttered. The last thing Moses wanted to do was to stand in front of the assembly of people when he's already really worked up and really mad and speak to a rock. Who would want to go, what, 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 water, water, come, come out of the rock? How embarrassing. And sometimes the last thing that we want to do is show our vulnerability as leaders. See, God's glorified when people can see our weaknesses and they can say, It has to be God. I can't even begin to tell you how many weaknesses I have. I have no more right to stand up here than a man on the moon. Matter of fact, I would feel probably as comfortable on the moon. I'm so out of my comfort zone. See, by nature, I'm a people pleaser. By nature, I want people to like me. By nature, I want people to understand me and not misunderstand me. But God's called me out of my comfort zone. He's called someone. He has so many things to work on me. I have fears. I have imperfections. But I don't want to fall short of the promised land by refusing to leave my comfort zone and by refusing to do things a different way. Don't be afraid. Trust God. And let Him, in your weaknesses, show His glory and His greatness. And if you're a leader right now and you're overwhelmed and you're overcome with the problems of the people and the problems of the situation, don't curse God's people. And don't try to do things a different way than God's telling you to do. Don't even take responsibility. Say, God, I work for you. All that I do, I do unto the Lord. And I need your help because I don't want to react. I want to respond. And I don't want to lead all these people into the promised land and yet forfeit my right to go. We live in a time of grace. We are so privileged because we live in a time where we can learn from Moses. And where our sins and our frailties and our weaknesses are covered by the blood of Jesus and the book of Lamentations says that God's mercies are new every morning. I need those mercies this morning. How about you? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you so much that you would teach us to lead as fathers, as mothers, as friends, as leaders, as business leaders, as ministry leaders as leaders in, in the financial realm, as leaders in every area that you have put us, each one of us has an area and a capacity to lead. First of all, Father, in our weaknesses, show yourself strong. Secondly, Father, let us teach even the people that we lead that we need their respect or they will forfeit their rights 
for peace and joy in entering in the promised land because God does not put up with cursing and uncovering his leaders. Father, forgive us for our words, our thoughts, and our hearts. Anything within us that is not of you, for they are many. Father, thank you for seeing us as lovely, even through all of our imperfections. For not only calling us to uh, love the unlovely around us, but for calling us to love ourselves right where we are. Jesus, thank you that we live in the day of grace, where every day we can say, Create in me a clean heart, O Lord, and renew in me a right spirit. Cast me not away from thy presence but restore unto me a joy in my salvation. And Father, lastly, please help us to humble ourselves and take advice, even if it's not packaged very prettily, even if it's not fair, even if it's not completely right. Help us always to be open to learn so that we can change And we can come up to the standard that you hold for us. And that we too can enter into the promised land and lead many, 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 many people with us. We love you. Amen. We hope that you've enjoyed Kathleen's message. To order a copy of this and other messages, please call us in San Antonio, Texas at 210-822-5500 or toll free outside the San Antonio area, 877-397-7773. That's 1-877-397-7773. Visit our website, KathleenWitten.org, K-A-T-H-L-E-E-N-W-H-I-T-T-E-N.org. Thank you.